Hello and welcome to another episode of Scripted with me, Daisy Lewis, and brought to you by Paradox House. Today I'm very excited because I sit down with the writer and producer Mike Leslie, who is known best for The Little Drummer Girl, which he was a producer and a writer on. And he's also a stage writer. So we talk about the difference between writing for TV and film and writing for stage and how it's very important for writers to feel a sense of safety. Enjoy. I love that it gives you the option to leave the meeting now that you know it's being recorded. That's hilarious. (laughs) Michael, I'm keeping that in. And welcome to... (laughs) Another episode of Scripted with me, Daisy Lewis, and my guest today is the formidable, incredible Michael Leslie, who is not only a friend, but has been known to be a confidant and also one of those people who will always read your stuff and get back to you with notes. And those people are gold dust. Hello, Michael. Hey, thank you, Daisy. That's very lovely. I try to read as many scripts as I can. But it gets tough, but I got a break by someone reading a script of mine, so it would feel churlish not to try and read as many as I can back. There's so many questions I want to ask you. First of all, just for the people listening, can you tell us what we might know your work from? Yes, I can. In terms of theatre, I've done a few things which very few people will probably know. I, I had a play on in the West End when I was very young. It was an adaptation of a film called Swimming with Sharks with Christian Slater and Matt Smith before he became Doctor Who and Helen Baxendale. And then I had a couple of plays on at the National, short ones by and large, but they were great and fun. And it's an amazing building to work in. And then in terms of screen stuff, the things people might have seen, I did a Macbeth with Michael Fassbender and Marion Cotillard directed by Justin Curzel, and then we all went on and did the ill-fated Assassin's Creed film, which has a host of anecdotes I could tell, but will probably remain off-recorded meeting. I wrote and executive produced Park Chanwook's first TV series, Little Drummer Girl, last year, and then I've got a few projects which hopefully will get even bigger notice coming up soon. You are so clever and annoying. <laughs> Annoyingly clever. You do raise an interesting point, though, because you may just be being flattering, but I don't know anyone who feels consistently clever in the industry. You know what I mean? Certainly not writers I know who are really good. Most of them are ridden with self-doubt all the time. Well, I mean, I think that that's a part of the conversation that we were having just before we started recording, which of course was where all the interesting stuff was said, was about confidence and about all the things that you do when you're not writing to get you in the space that gets you to the writing. Like, how do you sift down? How do you mine through the different themes of silt and garbage and teenage trauma to the good stuff? How do you mine the good stuff? What is your ideal setup? a lifestyle for writing. It's interesting, the mining to the good stuff, there are so many different elements that will come into play. Because as you say, there's the the discipline of lifestyle, which I can definitely talk about for me, 
and is specific to everyone. There are like phenomenal writers I know who just wait till lightning strikes and write four in the morning for an hour and turn out a piece of genius. I am not that writer. But there are also, you know, things that are worth considering, like how to mine to the good stuff. You've got to be forensically honest with yourself and you've got to work out when, when you're being truthful and when you're writing to a genre because you're trying to please people. And usually the moment, I would say every single instance in which I've tried to write to the what I thought the producers or director expected has backfired. And every moment where I've drilled down into instinct and what felt exciting to me, separate from, oh, it's a horror movie, there should be a scare at this point. Every moment where I've drilled down to this should happen because of the story and because the characters really worked. But in terms of the lifestyle, everyone's different. I find as soon as I... I need, I need discipline. I need routine. I used to work seven days a week, as many hours as possible. I needed actually to break that up. So I do five to six days a week of writing. Now I get up at five. I exercise. I How long have, for? I exercise for about an hour and a half. I exercise and then I eat breakfast. I've got, this is in part because I now have a child. There what is do you no, eat? What do I eat? Oh God, you don't want to know that. It's, it's puritanical. Um, and then I- I know. Yeah. Literally, you are. This is what I mean. Like when we were hanging out, I remember your discipline is second to none. Like it's incredible. But how do you think that it makes the writing better? Does it make you feel safer? This is the point. Yeah, I think safety is a huge part of it. And that for me is one of the major benefits of routine is safety. Anything that takes my mind off the administrative and allows it just to be free for instinct for character for story just to go with the rhythm of a script or the rhythm of writing that day is helpful and if I find if I'm agonizing over what to wear that day or I'm agonizing over what I'm going to have for breakfast because the choice is open when I'm actually going to sit down and write that stuff starts intruding and gets in the way of just like gut to page do you know what I mean and so for me, the gut to page element is really, really important. There are different stages of a draft and certainly up front, that's key. Like that, just getting it out there. Then, you know, the rational brain starts creeping in the further the draft goes along because you start crafting it and honing it and shaping it. But early on, particularly, you need that instinct and you need the instinct throughout, of course. So for me, the cradle of a routine is really important in order to free that up yeah my day is mapped out all the way through till I try and work nine till seven at the moment I don't drink during the week I drink on Fridays and Saturdays and I really look forward to those evenings and I occasionally work on weekends I started a production company with my producing partner PJ Van Sandvik a couple of years ago and that will take up a significant portion of the day now because we're producing bigger and bigger things which actually is something worth talking about in terms of developing other people's scripts and how that can help you process your own which has been really really but yeah, so for me, I need largely sobriety because I need a really clear head in the morning and I need quiet by and large. And I need as much objectivity on my own work as possible. So I need to try and put it to bed when I go to bed and try and wake up fresh. That's really important. I think you're really right about safety, though, like feeling safe. Other people will feel more safe and more free to let themselves out on the page. If they've had a drink, I wouldn't prescribe my routine for anyone else. I'd say you've got to find your own. And whatever makes you feel safe and able to be honest and connect on the page is best. Yeah. And in terms of your exposure to other material and even other people, because for writers, people is material. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
what <laughs> monsters are we how do you expose yourself and what do you expose yourself to and at what stages of your process in terms of other people in the industry or in terms of showing I mean in-, in terms of social interactions I mean in terms of visual I mean in terms of auditory what do you watch what do you listen to Someone going away party for one of my agent's assistants once said an amazing thing, which was she felt that this a person who was leaving the agency to go and become an ortho, I think an orthopedic surgeon, which was so much more worthwhile than anything we do, but said, um, you have been in this job because you love writing as much as you love people, whereas we're all writers because we love people so much more than we love writing, but we couldn't do it without you. And I genuinely, I think I fall into that category. I'm just like, I need some form of social interaction during the day. I do often take myself off away for a retreat, or I certainly mythologize the idea that I do that. But really, I go a little bit stir crazy. unless. Do you like people around so that you can walk away from them? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) run away (laughs) again I mean you're spot on with safety and I've never really thought about it like that I think I feel a little bit held by being able to talk to people about something other than writing I feel if I were being mercenary I would say that gives me objectivity because it's one of the few things that takes my mind off the work and if I can engage with someone else and really engage with them not just kind of ask them small talk questions while secretly thinking about what I'm working on but actually really drill them on their life and find out what they're up to it completely takes yeah. it sets me out of myself and other people are so much more interesting than routine I've concocted for myself so I yeah. find it really key I find music is really key again it, I think with such a craft-based like screenwriting and playwriting screenwriting is so craft-based that it can get what, rational. can I just ask you what you mean by that sure I think you know the economy of writing a scene the economy especially if you're writing for america or for bigger budget projects like the expectation that it falls into a certain act structure and that there will be turns at a certain you know point in the script and stages of a character's development i think it can be very reductively formulaic but i also think if you don't show that you are aware of those things people some readers distrust the writing so you've got to have that awareness and also just on a reader, like when I read through my own scripts, it's certainly the vomit draft that I've done. If I read it through, there are bits where it's just such a kind of blitz of emotion and information and me just like feeling on the page that it gets lost. It becomes just like fog. And you've got to go back through and using your rational brain or your editing brain, find the things to cut out so that the points of emotion can really hit home. I actually find one of the hardest things for me as a writer is the loss of objectivity because I will read a script through endless times and every time it's like, right, I've got to clear my head, go on this journey for the first time and read the script through beginning to end, feel its rhythms for the first time and then edit accordingly. And I find, yeah, regaining objectivity to do that is really hard. So a lot of the time I overwork a script and I get to the point where I read, you know, when Jennifer moves a pen an inch on the desk, I'm like, because you're she's... reading seven past drafts. <laughs> Her heart is broken and everyone else is like, why did she move the pen? There's just no emotion in this script. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's yeah. that be really damaging. So time off a script is really, really important. But no, in terms of exposure to other people as well, I really trust my team. And by my team, I mean like my agents and managers i think it's actually weirdly it's quite important not to trust them absolutely but to trust them to have the opinion you know their tastes will dictate so for example so whether do a, they know your work 
No, sometimes, you know, they, they would. I'm sure they would. And I think it was important to have someone who would be willing to do that for you because it's a real emotional relationship. The Yeah. So when we're talking about a team, just for you know, people who might not know what a team means, explain what a team is. My team consists of and my agent over here who's been with me since the beginning. And then when I started doing more work in America, agents in America and in America, they split it into film and TV, certainly the agency I'm at. So I've got one film and one TV agent and my manager who some people say that the agents in the UK do the job both of the agent and the manager in the States in that the agent is often fields incoming projects will do, you know, negotiate the business terms and the contract with a lawyer, whereas the manager is more long term strategic. And we'll kind of go, okay, I think they really do a battle plan for your whole career. Like in 10 years time, we want to be here. I think you should be meeting with this person, even though you're not you're really right for the project they're talking about now. The manager is a very personal relationship and a manager in the States will often be the one who's really key on development. I'm very lucky in that my agent's very good at it as well. But some people, they really lean on their manager for that if they indeed have a manager or need a manager. But no, so I, what I was saying was like, I will share with them at a certain point, usually when I send it into producers, but I will share with them. And it's not that I trust whatever they say to be sacrosanct, but I trust, for example, a member of my team who loves big Hollywood movies to judge the script according to the taste of someone who loves big Hollywood movies. You know what I mean? And I'll bear that in mind. He goes, or she goes, I don't What does that even mean anymore? What does a big Hollywood movie mean anymore? I know. I mean, at the moment, I just think it means an Avengers movie or a Disney movie, pretty much. That's the, they seem to be the only thing. Okay, so, so Hollywood is basically shorthand for Disney or Marvel, or both. Or massive studios, like all franchise or existing IP. Yeah. That, whereas, you know, there are, you know, you could say one of my agents wants just originality and just wants to be completely surprised by whatever's on the page and will probably sneer at anything with an action sequence in it. And like that, you know, I'd expect that person to react to a certain script with that mindset and I think that's really important to understand where your readers are coming from as individual readers yeah. but I do think it's really important to share your work in part so you get fresh eyes on it when you your eyes are no longer fresh but also because you're writing for an audience like fundamentally even more than a novel I think where the relationship is very intimate and one-to-one we're we're writing for a broader whether it's theatre or film and tv we're writing for as broad an audience as possible it makes sense to canvas opinions to me it's bruising it's bruising as hell but I think I really benefit from it. So long as I can not knee-jerk react to their response, but really take the time, process it, and work out whether I agree with their responses or not, that's really helpful. Interesting. How do you know whether you're reacting to something from you or as in like little 13-year-old Mike wanting to please the boss? And how do you know whether you're reacting Um, from your... It's desperately hard, yeah. I still find it really tough. There was a note someone sent me recently and it kept me up all night. And then I woke up in the morning and went, oh, I just disagree with it. But it kept me up all night. Went, oh God, he's right. It's terrible. You know, it's really hard. I think time is the most important thing, which is really annoying in an industry where not only do people, you know, want your script yesterday a lot of the time, but also you want to get it out there because you're excited by it and you want to move your career forward and you want to share it with people and you want to make these dreams real. You want to make your dream of a screenplay real. Like actually time is crucial and letting a script, be it theatre or film or TV, grow is crucial. And I find that is one of the, like I'm pretty impatient and that's quite hard sometimes. How many words do you type a minute? 
I don't know. I, I type quite fast. Well, you know what? I don't type fast, but I make changes really fast. I like will go through okay. a script really quickly. I'm not a speed typist, but I'm not a two finger typist either. Yeah. So now this is going to be the speed round question. You can't think about these things too fast, but I'm going to ask you. So theater or film? Too long. You're waiting too long. Are you asking like to work in, to what? It's just an instinctive reaction. Night out, theater or film? Film. Since writing dis- project, writing project, you've got a month to do it, theatre or film? A month theatre. Chekhov or Tarantino? Chekhov. I hate to say it, but Chekhov. Oh, I, I didn't think you'd say that. I well, didn't I, think you'd say Tarantino, but I think Chekhov's just incredible. Chekhov or Shakespeare? Shakespeare. Mm. Well, I owe a lot of my career to Shakespeare. It would be, be rude to say Chekhov now. Pen or keypad? Different for different stages. Pen for character development and planning. Keypad for the script. Computer or whiteboard on wall? Again, different stages. Whiteboard for planning, computer for execution. Mm-hmm. Best book on screenwriting? Uh, Which Lie Did I Tell by William Goldman. Second best book on screenwriting? Adventures in the Screen Trade by William Goldman. No. Don't ask me that because those are the only two I've read. <laughs> <laughs> best action sequence in a film? Oh, you know, the first thing that came into my head is Whiplash. The end of Whiplash. It's not an action sequence, but it came into my Interesting. Write a living that you admire the most for screen. Uh, William Goldman's dead. I don't have a knee-jerk reaction. Is my instant reaction. There are so many who I adore. Maybe Scott Frank, Scott Silver, Patrick Marber. There are loads. Why aren't there any women on there? I mean, there are. I just named three people I know personally. <laughs> so that's... that's... <laughs> sure. That brings me to another question that I wanted to ask you. Some of the people that I've been, it is a wonderful, brilliant, fantastic, terrifying job to do. But what are the frustrations that you find today at the moment with working in the industry? This may sound like a cop-out answer. It's really not. It is. I know it's going to be a cop-out answer. If you're going to say, if you're going to, no, this is a cop-out answer. Wait, you've got to lean forward. You've got to lick the mics. All right. I genuinely feel at the moment my obligation or my role is to shut up and listen. Like, I am insanely privileged. I know you're doing a vomit sign, but it is true. Like, I have no idea what a lot of people have experienced. And whatever I... Like, I have historically written whatever I've wanted and not other people haven't had that chance. And I think it would be slightly absurd to be like, well... I can do whatever I want because look at me, you know, like I feel like I should shut up and listen right now. I don't just feel that in writing terms. I feel that conversationally with a lot of people as well. Like I want to hear other people's experience. You feel like there are subjects that you can't talk about? I can't talk about with authority. I could talk about my opinion, but my opinion, the only thing over which I would have authority. Are there subjects that you wouldn't want to write about? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I wouldn't want to genuinely right now. I think I think back in the day, when I say back in the day, back when I was starting out, I um, would have believed myself capable of writing about anything. And now I'm not so sure. Now I think that's where I'm shutting up and listening. That's a really interesting answer. It makes me sad yeah, a bit. I, I, can un- I can understand why at the same time, like weirdly, and this is mercenary version of that answer. Like one of the, the best thing I wrote recently, hands down, came entirely from personal experience. And I very rarely write from personal experience. And don't get me wrong, it's 
personal experience if the particular person I was writing about was a witch and, you know, set to sabotage something that in my real life went gloriously well. But it was deeply personal. And that by far like flew off the page for me. It's the best thing I've written. And hopefully I think it's happening soon. And I just think if you're writing with authority over something, it can really fly in a way. Like Is that I, why you're wearing a cloak at the moment? Yeah, exactly. I am the child of a witch. No. Your poor mum right now. <laughs> Not my mum. But... That mums is a nice segue actually into, because I know that you didn't go to screenwriting school, quote unquote. How did you school yourself in what is, in your own words, a craft? Like being a fan. Like absolutely being an obsessive fan. Qualify that. Being an absolutely obsessive fan who would collect screenplays like you know football player cards or whatever like I film and tv was always escapist joy for me and would watch the same narratives over and over again and then I would read the screenplays in later life when I realized what a screenplay was not as a like dorky little five-year-old obviously but like later in life I would read you did it as a five-year-old I know it I just have a feeling that you did I think weirdly watching the same things over and over again has really really helped and I look forward to it now almost as much as watching something new, like watching for a particular project I'm doing at the moment. I've been saving watching Talented Mr. Ripley again for the like billionth time until I can watch it again, you know. And that, I think, just feeling the rhythms of something that worked that's in the vein of something you're working on can be really helpful. I don't in any way want to knock screenwriting schools because, for example, one of the writers who would make my list of writers I um, sort of humbled before would be Christy Wilson Cairns. And she came up through a film and theatre TV school and I have no idea what that experience was but she must have learned something good because she's amazing you know there are various other people who come up and I'm sure would swear by it because I didn't I can't really say whether or not you know film uh, screenwriting school is good but I've never read books man like I google Sid Field three-act structure the one piece of writing advice I reread relatively regularly is Aristotle's Poetics which sounds like dauntingly academic but it's 25 pages long and if you read it with your particular story in mind rather than just reading it in the abstract if every time it says protagonist should do this you read oh you know Emma in my story should do this then it suddenly comes to life and becomes really helpful. So, I mean, that and, as I say, the William Goldman books, William Goldman's books are incredible, both for the craft of screenwriting and for anecdotes and getting through the industry of it all, the kind of politics of it all. Those are the only things I've needed. That, I would say, the most important thing with all of it is writing. Just practically, I mean, in terms of 10,000 hours, that, like, makes a mockery of the amount of time we've put into screenwriting. You know what I mean? Like, spent years and years nothing but and it just I think your craft and your instincts can get better even if sometimes you get a little bit more jaded I was there's a, one of my favorite directors in the world both as a human being as, as a talent is Johan Rank and when I started working with him years ago now on a project he said one of the things he liked about me was that I wasn't jaded yet <laughs> I can feel myself becoming ever more jaded but yeah I want to remain somewhat hopeful I think I'm an optimist deep down and that helps is there a genre that you feel uncomfortable in that you'd like to try? That's interesting. No. Like, I'm writing a big comedy at the moment. One of the development, it was a script editor, producer I worked with once, really shocked me by saying, because I think I get the easy pigeonholing in me would be like thrillers or dark action stuff. And then actually, if you read that's because lot- you're not funny. Well, I'm a hilarious person. What are you talking about? But no, actually, like, <laughs> but weirdly, the thing this person said was, 
she, she said, and it was a bit of a leading question, you know, the funny thing is writers never ask you what they're good at. And I said, oh, okay, well, what am I good at? And she said, love stories. And I was like, no one ever says that about me. And so weirdly that when I go back and identify my strongest work, a lot of the time, a love story is a very strong element in it. I'm like, ah, yeah, maybe I should just write a pure love story. But I'm writing a big comedy TV series at the moment and it's joyous. It's just joyous. I love to write a rom-com. I come up with a billion ideas. A lot of them are rom-coms. But I'd also love, you know, I've written a horror script, which I want to direct at one point. Excitement. Well, exciting for me, probably not for the movie going public. I think I'd really need to do my homework if I was writing an Avengers movie. I've watched a lot of Avengers movie or that sort of genre, but I think I would need to think about it a lot more than I currently have before I wrote one. Would you like to do one of those? I would like to do everything. This is one of my problems. I genuinely want to do every job out there and I want to do a real one of the things I need to start being tougher on myself about is saying no to opportunities, which I'm very fortunate to have, and actually having the courage to write an original. It's a very privileged position to be in, but like you can quite easily go from job to job to job and lose your identity, just like adapting or rewriting someone else's script. And But that a- in itself is a skill. That's very difficult to do. Yeah, it's a different skill, for sure. It's, a, it's incredibly difficult. A pet peeve of mine is people who say, yeah, well, an adaptation is less creative, because I don't think that's the case for a second. I would deny that in self-defense, but I genuinely don't think that's the case. Like, I think it's an incredibly creative skill to have or enterprise to undertake. But I do think there's something different about doing an original. And the thing I wrote recently that was from direct, from personal experience, was an original, and it felt honest in a different way I want to do both I admire both equally but I've found myself doing way more of one because it's kind of easier if you're an insecure person to book up existing IP or adaptations than it is to go and now I'm going to do an original and get paid to do it that's a whole nother process in the industry that takes a lot more effort to get off the ground is anything original oh daisy Oh. No, I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, Woody Allen being like, oh, yeah, so I've got this original screenplay called Blue Jasmine. You're like watching it. You're like, has anyone here seen Streetcar Named Desire? To see Kate Blanchett play Blanche, but come on. Like, so what, say it again? Yeah, I mean, Kate Blanchett playing Blanche. Essentially, she's amazing at it, but come on. She did it on Broadway, and then that was uh, how it came about. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, obviously the term an original is sort of an absurdity because if you're saying it's an of anything, then there are other things like it. But mm. yeah, I think it's still different. When I sat down to write the original thing I wrote recently, original inverted comments, it About was- About your experience as a witch. Yeah, yeah. A very powerful witch. Sitting down with the blank whiteboard and the blank, it, it's a different skill. I still had to apply the same rigor and same routine and plotted it out and did the character development as I always would. But starting from scratch is a different skill. Yeah. Did you find it more challenging? No, not at all. I found it as challenging, but you're comparing different things. You really are. Like Mm. there are as many helpful things in an adaptation as there are hindrances. And there are as many like false summits or false tricks that you think are going to be great in an adaptation or in a rewrite. And then you get them on the page and you realize that doesn't work at all. And maybe the thing you thought was terrible that you had to lose was actually there for a really good reason. And, you know, there are just as many challenges. It's just a different ballgame. Would you say that you're a collaborative writer? Yes. And I love it. I would say, like, I think it's, that's one of the things, the cult of author is something that haunts me because 
you know any egotistical part of you always wants to be recognized as the auteur or whatever but i think that's a well, it's not a myth in this industry unless you write produce star and direct you know then it's possibly true but i don't know how you can be a screenwriter and not be collaborative if you want to follow your project through to fruition like if you want to you need a producer on board well you're going to need to bear that producer's opinions in mind you want a director on board the director's going to want to take ownership of it at some point you want actors who are really good to come in everyone's got an opinion and the massive revelation for me was when i realized that other people could make something better than i could have made it by myself and i think that came as a smack in the face when i was watching an edit of something and it was a no, I'd always rejected and firmly believed was wrong and then ended up being, you know, overwhelmed by the producer and director. I was like, whatever. And then saw it on screen. I was like, that is brilliant. And I would never have thought of it. And I was completely wrong. And, you know, I think those moments, and I've had a lot of them, have really helped me go like, well, okay, there are times when other people are right and you should listen. One of the hardest things in the industry is knowing which I find is knowing which those times are. Which people to listen and which people to listen to. Yeah, totally, totally. Because, you know, it's a very, very competitive industry. I think some people can give you notes out of jealousy in some ways that want to kind of crush. Or uh, just because they need to say something in a meeting. It's true. That is definitely true. I mean, I think development is, as I say, I started producing and developing scripts. It's a really hard skill. One of the hardest things is to identify a problem without trying to give the solution. Like so much of it, I find my instincts, particularly as a writer, I guess, but is to go, well, this doesn't work. This bit, but what if you did this? Maybe if you did this, it would fix it. And trying to see the problem rather than solution is really hard. I also think one of the things that doesn't get done enough by a lot of development people is just genuinely being encouraging. Like it's really hard and you lay yourself out there at whatever stage of the industry you're at, you're putting yourself out there. Every set of brutal notes that begins with, hey, great work is a much better set of brutal notes to receive than straight in, let's jump. Which is why I love you. And you know, you've- The other thing is- You've been very kind. No, I mean, you're a phenomenal writer. The thing that I would say though, is it's never right arbitrarily to say great work, but pretty much every draft I've ever read of anything has something to recommend it. There's something in there. People have sat down to write for a reason. And I feel like that should be celebrated. Yeah. Well, I think that's almost the perfect note to end on. And, oh. Now I hit the runaway button. (laughs) What? (laughs) Say it again. The button that said, this screen is now being recorded. Leave. (laughs) (laughs) Run away. Can I get away with it? Quick. No, one thing I would say, like, I listen to podcasts about film and TV and I read about writing. One of the things I desperately avoid is social media because one of the most damaging things for me in trying to be a screenwriter is relativism, comparing yourself to other people at the same time. So if someone else, you know, gets a movie, wins an Oscar, going, oh, that should have been mine. And actually all you can do is write your own stuff. And whether people take it on or not, they is out of your hands. And I think you will do your best work if you put all that stuff to one side. And so, as I say, I'm not on social media because I find it just cripples me with insecurity. That said, I obsessively listen to podcasts and of people I admire. And I just think if if the one thing I would want to get across to anyone is like anyone could do this. You just got to have discipline and the urge to do it. You've got to really care. And about no friends like and- us. And then live a really monkish life apart from Friday. <laughs> no, and definitely no sex life. <laughs>
Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you've got a baby now, so <laughs> it is a monk-like existence. It's so great. It's like so great. Yeah, it definitely is. It, the, but the weird thing is, it oscillates. It is a monk-like existence, and then it's really not. Like, when you're on set, when we were shooting Little Drummer Girl, because this particular situation of Little Drummer Girl was non-stop like we were writing and shooting and writing and shooting and writing and shooting everything like I remember you know talking to intimately with production designers in the middle of writing a scene and it was really thrilling and I felt real in a different way you know what I mean like I'm a real boy but you really did feel like you were you were engaged in an enterprise with a team and that's really exciting and then it swings back to oh wait a minute I've spent enough time yeah, now I now I just lock myself away and be be creative. It's so joyful. Oh, Mikey, thank you, thank but, you for that. And I do genuinely think there was so much that you said, which was helpful, humble, and generally demystifying. I will not be getting up at five a.m. and I will not be exercising. Find what works for you. That's all I can say. I am going to read. The, I am going to reread poetics. It is great, and it's not as intimidating as it sounds. That's what I think, anyway. I might read it on the tube just so that people can see me reading it and yeah. not really read it. Yeah, a really big copy. Awesome. Yeah, a really big copy. It's like large writing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Make it an audio book and play it on speakerphone. Do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, I am going to wish you all my love and thanks yeah i'm so excited i'm always excited to see what you do next so thank you lovely to see you see you thank you so much for listening and as usual i have a tiny little request where i beg on bended knee for you to spread the word give us likes Smiles, loves, unicorns, any emoji possible on any form of social media so that other people can enjoy scripted too. Thanks.